Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. Just a massive thank you to whoever you are listening to this. Before we start, just to remind you that we do this podcast two, three times a week. But we don't always know which days it's going to be on, so there's only one way to know, and that is to subscribe and get notifications. Why not drop us a review while you're there? Right, enough about that. Let's talk some rugby. Just before we start today's podcast, we've got some exciting and important news to tell you about our podcast. As of now, our podcasts will be hosted on the Global Player app. Now, don't worry, if you listen to us on other platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Acast, that's fine. But we recommend you download the Global Player app to listen to our podcast before it's released on any other player. The Global Player is available to download on iOS and Google stores. I'm Ben James, and it's time for the latest episode in this series of getting our writers to regale tales of their favourite games. We've had uh, heroic defeats for Wales, uh, victories over the Springboks, and um, quite frankly, one of the most dramatic matches at last year's World Cup so far in our series. But uh, this time we're switching codes, and we're going over to the other the other game, the uh, the thirteen man game, rugby league. But even though it's a rugby league game, it, it, it still feels like a union game simply because of the amount of players involved uh, we're joined by Andy Howell and I've probably given away your game uh, here but why don't you tell us uh, what you, what your favourite game is yeah it was uh, Wales against Samoa Rugby League World Cup October 1995 at the old former Swansea City ground the old uh, uh, Vetchfield uh, it was a group decider uh, basically uh, Wales did win a match 22-10 but you know it was the return of the lost generation you know, the stars, most of the stars of the Wales team finished um, third at the 1987 Union World Cup. Uh, you know, we're playing uh, playing for Wales that day. Like Sir Jonathan uh, Davis, John Deverell, Paul Moriarty, Adrian Addy, Guy Young played, you know, um, Roland Phillips, um, yeah, and a stack of other uh, uh, stars. Indeed, like you say, it did feel like it was the lost generation on, on a world stage, just... A different code. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, Wales, Wales, Wales suffered so Wales suffered so much at Union from uh, you know from um, 1989 to uh, basically when Union went open in August um, 95, allowing the payment of players, which uh, you know uh, brought the uh, stars back to Wales because they'd lost so many uh, uh, lost so many uh, players following the tour of New Zealand in 1988 when they played a, you know one of the best All Blacks teams I um, I've um, ever seen and uh, you know they decimated a young Wales team really and uh, as Di Young calls it that was the uh, tour of death then Jonathan Davis went north and he was a bit of a Pied Piper loads of players uh, followed him uh, to, um, to, to rugby league because obviously it was a uh, pain um, and uh, they were disillusioned with the uh, Welsh Rugby Union and the WRU's decision to uh, um, sack Tony Gray after that tour of New Zealand. Of course, then they lost to Romania, didn't they, in the uh, in the autumn of 88? Yeah, that, that finished them off. You know, they had a new coach yeah, in uh, John Jif- Ryan. But there was Jiffy a lot, was, lot of... was gone pretty soon after that, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, that was the final... Uh, this final uh, straw. You know, straw for him because Jiffy had wanted to address the WRU... Uh, uh, general committee, uh, which is now a board, you know, after coming back from uh, that tour in New Zealand because there was such a gulf in what the New Zealanders were doing. They were already professional, really. Um, and they were just streets ahead. Um, 
but that could you know that could have been a, a great Wales team because they'd gone to New Zealand. They finished third in the World Cup the year before, even though New Zealand had hammed them in the semi-finals. But Wales had a crack Australia team in the third place playoff, and then Wales won a triple crown in the Five Nations the following season. Really should have been a grand slam, but they were edged out by um, France uh, by a point, I think, in atrocious conditions in uh, in um, in Cardiff. Um, so things were going rather well. So they had that, what was the, you know, New Zealand basically was a, a, a bit of a rugby disaster, I guess. Yeah, you, you think of the you think of the talent that came through after the Jets or the lost generation went north, in uh, and, and there were sort of good displays in, you know, fits and in, in short spells. Had had the likes of of Jiffy and and Alan Bateman and and Devro and, and and all these names Moriarty. Had they stayed in in the fifteen man code, yeah, you, you're right. Wales could have been a real force in the early nineties. Yeah, for sure, because you know every nation you've got a pyramid of players, and uh, if you lose a large percentage of the uh, top tier of your pyramid, you're in trouble, aren't you? You know, if the All Blacks had lost so many players as Wales had, even even they would have been in uh, in uh, in 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 trouble. So. Uh, you know, Wales Wales's pyramid really didn't go up to a, a point at that uh, because of the exodus. It was sort of uh, flattened off, and uh, you know, you were almost without the, the top of the pyramid. So obviously, the most of the players that were left, yeah, there were still some stars like Robert Jones, um, Jan Evans uh, stayed back, but really, they were down to players who would have struggled to get into, into a, a first team. Of course. Union's loss was was league's gain, and if you look at the squad for that '95 World Cup, obviously you had so many great names. You know, your Jiffy, Scott Quinnell, Gibbs, uh, Alan Bateman, Devro, uh, Adrian Hadley, uh, Dai Young, but you also had a couple of emerging rugby league stars. You had Kieran Cunningham, uh, Saint Helens, uh, Hooker. Who, who you know went on to do great things in the game, and Yestin Harris, who of course scored the first try that day at the Vetch. Yeah, for sure, Yestin. I think Yestin was only about, I think he was like 17, 18 at the time. He was a great player. Him and uh, Jonathan Davis, they would um, they used to swap positions during the match because Davis was picked as a standoff, and Yestin as fullback, where they used to swap. And uh, yeah, yeah, Yestin was a uh, you know he was a great uh, rugby player. Uh, with the ball in his hand, as we actually saw at the 2003 uh, World Cup, uh, Union World Cup in Australia, when he, you know, he came close to being in my like team in the tournament. He was a, uh, uh, he was a really a top player with the ball in his hands and uh, you know playmaker, and he could beat people. He just used to glide past um, people. So he was one. There was another one, Anthony Sullivan. He he played Union for Wales afterwards. Uh, his father, Clive Sullivan. Um, uh, skip of Great Britain to World Cup uh, glory years before. Um, you know he was dynamite as well with the ball. He was uh, 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 so, um, so 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 quick. So you know if we <laughs> those guys had also played uh, Union from uh, early age, you know imagine Team Wales would have had. Yeah, indeed. Um, so let's let's get on to the match then. Uh, what what made it so special from the off? Yeah, well, um, it, it was so much. It was because it was sort of it was built up and it captured the imagination of the public because Wales had lost to Western Samoa at the Union World Cup in 1991. So revenge was on the minds of people, particularly 
as the Samoa team and people like uh, the aptly named Apollo Perellini, uh, who was like a rocket when he would tackle people, who would put, um, he had put Tony Clement, I believe, I think it was Tony Clement, um, out of the uh, uh, out of the World Cup in 91 uh, with this just uh, flying uh, tackle and uh, Wales have lost that match. So yeah, so revenge was on the mind of everyone. And you're right, Ben, what you said at the start, if, what did that a feel of a union match? And there was just a sonic in the air it was the return of the boys. You know, the boys who should have been uh, uh, playing Union for Wales. So I can remember arriving in Swansea that night at the um, at the vetch, walking to the ground, and you could, uh, you know, I was electricity in the air. You know, just talking about it now, to be honest, the ears on the back of my neck, standing up there. It was just one of those nights. And then there was a lockout because the um, um, the crowd, it was, uh, yeah, it was a capacity crowd, uh, but the magic kickoff had to be delayed 20 minutes to get him into the ground because, you know, the wretch was a small ground. He was get pretty uh, pretty crammed in there. It was, uh, you know, it wasn't didn't have the uh, greatest uh, facilities. And uh, from a safety issue, you know, I've got to be honest, it wasn't the uh, uh, the best. Um, so, um, yeah, so there's 20-minute delay to kick off. And, of course, that's why during that 20 minutes, players were getting... Uh, uh, more and more wound up, you know. Mark Jones, the number eight, who played for Nice and uh, and Wales and start against the All Blacks for Nice in '89. Uh, you know, Mark used to always um, psych himself up, and uh, you know, I remember John Devereux. He told you and I recently in a podcast, you know, that uh, Scooby, as they call him, was so pumped up he was butting the walls of the dressing room, the doors and stuff like that, and Debs was sinking. You know, if we don't get out there soon, there's not going to be anything left of this dressing room. Oh, indeed, uh, I do remember that. Um, I seem to remember you, you probably told me this a fair few times. It, it obviously a fair few of you and your colleagues were were writing about league, possibly for the first time. And do I recall that a certain Mark Orders uh, rocked up at the Vetch rather late and with, with little idea of what was uh, going on? Yeah, probably knowing uh, Orders. I'm not sure if it was a vetch, actually. I did rock up at the semi-final a few days later against oh, uh, England at Old Trafford. Yeah, because, uh, you know, Mark is... Uh, I don't think you mind me saying this. He's not the best with direction, so I think he struggled to find his way to Old Trafford. It's a long old way to Manchester. Yeah, it is from uh, from Mystake. The only thing Mystake and Manchester have got in common is they both start with an M. Indeed. Okay, let's, let's get on to the match then. As I said... Yestin Harris opened the scoring. Yeah, but it was before that, Ben. It was something, you know, we must mention you know, Samoa do their version of the um, hacker. And uh, when they, uh, they walked towards the opponents uh, at the end of the hacker, uh, the Wales, they didn't actually wait for Samoa to walk towards them. They walked towards Samoa uh, themselves. And uh, Devro, he ended up uh, being um, nose-to-nose with a great... Uh, all Blacks winger actually Inga the winger Tigamala um, you know Debra was going to be marked in the match and he, he Tigamala which they do traditionally Samoans only shaved all his hair off especially for the game uh, you know to, to make look more uh, intimidating and of course that set the tone for the match from the moment you know match kicked off all hell broke loose uh, I can't remember who it was, but the player who carried the ball that first got absolutely smashed. You know, it's got to be, it's one of the, do you know what, that game is one of the hardest, most brutal matches I've seen in either code. The only other game probably uh, uh, rivals it. Maybe 
um, uh, exceeds it is that uh, South Africa Lions second test in 2009 for brutality. And, you know, putting your bodies on the line, it was almost like watching, it was like a scene from the trenches, I guess. Yeah, and then obviously having mentioned 1991 and all, all that, Wales weren't going to sort of, this was a revenge mission of sorts, wasn't it? And they they got off to a good start. Oh, yeah, it was, yeah. And Justin, given that, uh, give, you know, the, the, um, the, the team and the crowd a massive lift. Um, and, uh, you know, they just sense it in the air, you know, that uh, it got Wales to roll. But it was a game-minded, you know, it was just so it could have gone either way. You know, and I'll never forget another instance in that match, the um, Wales hooker, he was a rugby league uh, guy, Wigan, Martin Hall. You know, we got all this thing now about player welfare, concussion and all. Well, Hall took such a hit in that game. He went, he was he down, got back to his feet, and he was the punch drunk boxer. His legs had gone completely. He was rubber man. He was staggering round. And uh, one of the Wales um, uh, you know, uh, water boys, physios or whatever, was sort of holding him up. And uh, but Hall was so determined uh, to fight for the cause that uh, Samoa happened to attack near where he was sort of lurching round, and Samoa that he got back into the defensive line and made a tackle. That summed up the Welsh commitment uh, that night. Though of course it would, uh, I don't think that would be alone though for play welfare reasons, um, you know. And then he played a full part in the rest of the match. It was just incredible commitment from him and bravery, I suppose. Well, some mind you, some people might say he was foolhardy. Possibly, yeah, yeah. Um, so then let's, let's let's get on to the action of the match. Like I say, Wales started well, um, and it was Yeston Harris who went over for the first try. Yeah, if I remember rightly, I think he weaved his way through the defence a bit, uh, came onto a ball, beat a couple of people, and scored a a, a, a super try. You know, because he he's such a um, used to glide past people, and he could uh, beat him with ease. And he had an eye, you know, he has, he has vision, and he had an eye for an opening, and he was good enough to take it. But then, of course, I think Samoa hit back. Then wasn't it with? Um, uh, via Matutia. Uh, yeah. It was the, the second row. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think uh, so. And, uh, you know, the match, well, it was end-to-end, you know, one team would be on top and then the other, there was very little to choose um, uh, uh, between them. And, uh, you know, it could have gone either way, just as Wales, you know, pulled away, um, pulled away a bit towards the end. And if you look at the scoreline, uh, 22-10, I don't think that really reflected the match because that was a heck of a battle and actually it took a, um, a, a significant toll on that way, on the Wales team and I think they were drained when they play, uh, played England in the semi-final only a few days uh, uh, later though they did end up giving a pretty decent account of themselves in that uh, match you know, I always wonder if Wales have been uh, fit and fresh for the game with England you know, whether they might have beat them you could t- I was watching the England sort of clips back this morning you could tell that because England played a lot they they threw a lot of offloads probably more so than you'd normally see in in a league game they they were happy to go backwards and keep the ball alive just for the sake of tiring out the Welsh defence and, and the Welsh defence did look ragged it looked like you don't want to say it but it, it did look like a union defence play in league in the sense yeah, that well, it, it, you know it, 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 
it was, and he got caught out as well, didn't he, by the cross kicks of Bobby uh, Bobby Goulden. Yeah, there's a bit of a story there, mind involving uh, Sean Edwards. Uh, you know, our former defence coach, favourite of the uh, Welsh public. Uh, Edwards was uh, been due to play in that game, but he'd suffered a cut in an earlier match, and it turned septic. And you know, he, Edwards, um, as he's told me more than once, he said he nearly lost his leg over that cut because it turned septic, and there were fears he was going to um, uh, turn into gangrene. Mm, so there's a little uh, tale. But, uh, yeah, yeah. And so, but Goulden stepped in, and he actually ripped. Wales apart a bit yeah, and you're right England's, England's plan was to tire Wales out yeah and, and you know back to the Samoa match that was actually like watching uh, some of the tactics Wales employed it was more like watching a union match you know it was different it was a traditional rugby league and carry the ball up and, and and smashing people as in you know trying to drive through them physically yeah, he, yeah just watching it now like um Obviously, the Samoa scrum that that second row, he, he managed to step past Jiffy and uh, Yestin Harris. I can't imagine they were thrilled. But um, even, looking at the scrums, even the scrums look competitive <laughs> compared to the sort of the, the, the rugby league scrums you see this day. But um, the next Wales try came from Anthony Sullivan, and th- this was a bit of vision by Jonathan Davis, if you remember it. It was um, from a scrum, and he he just saw space in the backfield and just kicked it through, and then Anthony Sullivan's pace took care of the rest yeah 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 I remember that one and Sullivan was lightning mind he was really quick and he was a sharp uh, sharp player I um, I thought he would go on and more, win uh, more Welsh Union uh, caps but uh, you know he was a star for um, St. Helens he was uh, very light on his feet uh, run a bit like perhaps like a fire Martin a fire uh, touch and you know that, that was great plan and Jonathan Davis he was a master wasn't he of uh, grubbers behind the defence you know, which we uh, saw in a match they uh, played on TV a week or so ago Wales versus Scotland funny enough with a lot of these guys playing Wales versus Scotland uh, the year Wales won the Triple Crown 1988 uh, classic in Cardiff and uh, Davis got two tries one of them an effort when he uh, chased his own grubber The final try came from uh, Kevin Ellis, wasn't it? He was playing, I think he was playing halfback that day alongside Jiffy. Yeah, uh, funny enough, Ben, uh, Kev was actually in touch with me a couple of times yesterday uh, on, uh, you know, personal matters. But, uh, you know, and uh, I did uh, message him back, say, oh, great stuff, King Kev. Because Kev, Kevin was a really good rugby union player. He's gone off for... Uh, the gen, even though he didn't get a um, full cap, excellent player. But do you know what? He was one of the uh, top rugby league uh, player because he's a uh, uh, halfback. Was so quick around the field, light on his feet, and he's and he was super fit. And he's still super fit. No, yeah, he actually looks the same now as when he was back then uh, playing. And um, the Kev was made for uh, rugby league because he was uh, so quick, and his support play was um, excellent. Was it? Am I right in saying on this try? Was it Roland for us to put him in for it? I think so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, be- because we're, to we're, the offload. yeah, where Roland was really good at rugby league is they used to use him as a replacement and uh, off the bench. And uh, Roland was good when a game opened up because he he was a master as well in union of the offload. Excellent at take, you know, taking the tackle, but being able to free his hands and offload. So he was great to play off. And uh, uh, Kevin Ellis is uh, one of these players who would, uh, you know, would um, like Chris Ashton um, for England Rugby Union. You know, he'd float round 
near the ball carrier, and so you always be working to look for that um, uh, offload. You know, I mean, Josh Adams does it, but for uh, for Wales as well uh, at Union uh, now, and um, it was the sort of thing they wanted George North to do more of. So you benefit from the work of others. Well, Kev, Kev was excellent at that, and that's why you know finished the game. And the celebrations really started then. You know, I think the uh, not just the crowd, but the Welsh squad. Yeah, you know, they partied hard into the night. I was going to say, it was about fifteen thousand people in the vets that day. What 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 was the atmosphere like? Ben, it was incredible. It was electric. The noise was even before the match. You know, we were in the uh, press room there, and you could it was filtering into the ground, and you could sense something special was in the air. Um, I'd compared to Wales versus South Africa. Union inaugural match at the Millennium Stadium, 1999, and I think it was 27,500 was the permitted crowd because the crowd was still being built for that match. And even though you only had a crowd of that size in the Millennium, one of the best atmospheres ever, and it was all down to the occasion, the same as the Samoa thing. It was just the occasion. Wales against Samoa, all the history and everything, like Wales had never been South African at Union, Wales had lost against Samoa at the uh, Union World Cup and, you know, it was embarrassing. They were, you know, they were written off, taken apart by by the press all around the world and all. So there were, it was, so both those occasions, if you like, were almost more than rugby matches. So the and the crowd really bought in. It meant so much to Wales as, an, as a nation, you know, and people were just so proud of the efforts of the lads. In terms of actual rugby league, it's probably not even the best game Wales have played at a World Cup. You know, I th- I, you'd probably argue that 2000, the semi-final against Australia, where they led the world champions for the vast majority of the game, um, with you know Yetin Harris and Lee Breers pulling the strings, was probably yeah. a, a, a a better Welsh performance, but. It, it, yeah, pe- it was people, when you look at the personnel in a team, I suppose. Yeah, you know, people. against Wendell Saylor and all that um, for, for the Kangaroos. But that 95, I think it's because of the fact there were so many Union boys in there. Yeah, that yeah that's People why. like yourself remember it so fondly. Yeah, that's why, because of that, because of that, you know, because of those that number of Union uh, uh, boys, because everyone realised these are the guys who should have been watching playing... Uh, uh, Union for Wales, you know, they should have still been in that uh, uh, Wales team, and it was almost this thing, you know, the, uh, <laughs> this feeling, that, you know, this is what we've been missing, was these blokes, and uh, you know, and they certainly proved it uh, that night. That yeah, uh, that was what we've been missing from the Union uh, uh, side during those years of, of struggle and you know, embarrassments and record defeats. Yeah, indeed. Um... And as we as we have touched upon, you know, it, it, Wales's World Cup dream did come to an end the week after at Old Trafford. Um, yeah, Mark, it was less than a week after, I think, because that, week, yeah. that was a midweek match, you know. So they didn't, have, you know, you know, they, you know what it's like these days. They complain, oh, we only had a six-day turn round. The opposition had a seven-day turn round. Well, you know, Wales had like a four-day turn round. I think three or four day, you know. So it wasn't it probably wasn't enough. They were still, uh, you know, they'd emptied the tanks and they weren't refilled when they went to re- Old Trafford. I think Mark, Martin Afire, uh did a lot of damage that day. Didn't I think he scored twice? Um, is it Dennis Betts? Uh, you know, two fantastic players. Betts was a brilliant uh, forward. 
um, uh, you know, the work he used to do in games and kind of ball. I think uh, Phil Clark played that day as well. He was there. Lucy Betts was in at uh, second row. They were fantastic, uh, but good players. And, you know, Chariots of Fire, as he was called, um, he was just so quick. He must be one of the quickest rugby players of all time in either code. And, you know, if he, if he, any space he was in, he was unstoppable. Nobody could catch Martin of Fire. Yeah, plus you had players like Jason Robinson and Andy Farrell as well. So it was it was some England team. Yeah, yeah, they were the you know Andy Farrell and of course Ireland uh, rugby coach father of uh, Owen Farrell. You know they were the, he was a um, top uh, top player as well. When you look at that England paper, uh, uh, England team on um, paper, you know it was um, it was uh, you know a top side and capable of uh, pushing Australia. Uh, all the way, and they were actually uh, great days for um, rugby league because, of course, you had some of the Welsh lads were uh, in the Great Britain team as well, and you know there were some fantastic uh, series, um, test series with uh, between Great Britain and Australia. Yeah, and I, th- I think a couple of Welsh boys snuck into the team yeah. in the tournament as well, well didn't they? Yes, well, well, and uh, Anthony Sullivan. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. And what about one of the greatest rugby league tries of all time was arguably Jonathan Davis's against Australia at uh, at um, Wembley. And I think Britain won that match. I think uh, he was playing fullback, wasn't he? And the right, you know, his body score from fifty meters, sixty meters, something like that. His run was, uh, uh, you know, fantastic. One at the way carved open the defence, and then went outside the. Uh, I think it was the only fullback. I uh, can't remember. It was. Can't remember his surname. Was it Brent? Brett or Brent? Someone, yeah. But uh, what a try that was in a corner, you know. So, yeah, the Welsh boys. Well, when you look at rugby league's history, uh, since it started, if you look through it, you know, the impact Welsh rugby players have made in rugby league has been uh, extraordinary. I know we're talking now about um, uh, when Wales played Samoa, the union had been decimated by uh, departures to um, in Wales. To league, but that was also occurring, um, you know, from um, from the early 1900s and some other, you know, it's more. I did a, a piece once on, uh, you know, all the uh, Welsh players who played rugby league, the stars and all, and they were just uh, just countless. When you go back to people like the Billy Bostons, um, Lewis Jones, fantastic rugby players, and there's just so many others besides uh, Keith Jarrett, Morris, uh, Morris Richards, but. Uh, you know, from the 19 sort of um, after the First World War onwards, uh, rugby league was um, frequently raided in Wales for uh, union players. And many players who would have become household union uh, names uh, took the money and went north. Which I don't think, you know, you couldn't blame them for that really, could you? Because they were obviously going to make more than if they stayed at home being amateurs playing rugby rugby union oh yeah there's oh yeah think think back to the 70s like late 60s early 70s and some of the names you went north did keith jarrett go north if, if on my memory I'm, I'm struggling yeah keith yeah. jarrett you know Lewis you, you, Jones, you, you, he was you, think, the Lions, you think about how keith Lions, jarrett Lions burst onto the scene at 18 and uh you know he was gone north soon afterwards you know and he, he became one of the great rugby league players uh billy boston another one of the great rugby league players these blokes are, are reared they're reared up north as like John Charles the, the fantastic Welsh footballer is with uh, Juventus uh, fans and in, and in fact yeah, and football fans of uh, an older age in Italy 
these because they made such an impression on the um, on the places they went to and and those communities. Yeah, yeah, indeed. There we go. I think that is um, put your game to bed. I think uh, Samoa. It was Brett Mullins was the fullback. I said the tall, leggy guy, wasn't yeah. he? You know, he, he was sharp himself, quick. But Jiffy was uh, uh, at his ability. He could be running uh, flat out, and he still stood him up and managed to go round him and just about made a corner. It was Sean Edwards. Sean Edwards was sent off that day, if I remember rightly. Yeah, he was, I think, wasn't he? Yeah, 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 yeah. He was a bit of an odd mind, Sean, as a player. <laughs> yeah, some would say he's still, he's still, you know, he's still passionate now. Not exactly changed as a coach. <laughs> no, 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 yeah. And uh, didn't he play one? I think Sean played the all of one game with a broken jaw. Um, possibly, yeah. I've got a feeling I might be in a cup by now, but sure he had a broken jaw and played the all match with a broken jaw. You know, incredible. I think Jiffy, Jiffy dislocated his shoulder that day, making two try-saving, try-saving tackles. Yeah, well, rugby, you know, rugby unions are, but in some respects, uh, uh, league is even harder because most of the tackling is uh, is, is um, impact tackling, isn't it? At higher speed because of the um, the defence of the gap between the two lines, the attacking line, the defensive line, because the offside rule. So there's a lot more head-on tackling in um, in league than there's in union. We're in union a lot of tackling, isn't it? You going across field, it's a bit easier tackling from the side than it is head-on. Yeah, indeed, yeah. Right, there we go. That's it. Um, that's another game in the books. So joining the likes of Wales, New Zealand, 2003, and Wales, South Africa, 99, is Wales, Western Samoa, 1995. Um, I think it's a, it's a good choice. Right, that's it for today's podcast. Uh, Andy, thanks for joining us. You can catch all the latest news on Wales Online. Wales Online.